0: Hello and welcome to Grazia Life Advice. I'm Hattie Crissell, the Acting Features Director of Grazia magazine, and each week I speak to women worth listening to, asking them to share six pieces of advice they really value and the worst piece of advice they've ever received. My guest this week is the broadcaster and writer June Sarpong. Now I first became aware of June way back around the millennium when she was a presenter on Channel 4's weekend show, T4. But since then, she's become a vocal champion of women in business, a panellist on Sky's political debate show, The Pledge, and the author of Diversify, which is now out in paperback. Diversify is a really powerful read. It sets out in plain language all the areas where lack of diversity is causing us social problems, whether that's because of the exclusion of ethnic minorities, or those living with disabilities, or even just working class people. But it's not all doom and gloom. June also outlines practical things that we can all do to identify our own prejudices, because we all have them, and start building bridges. I found her really warm, empathetic and straight talking. And I hope you enjoy listening to her as much as I did. Let me know what you think on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Grazia Life Advice. But for now, over to June. First of all, tell me, how did you come to write this book? Mm.
1: Yeah, well, um, I came to write it when I came up against um, my own unconscious bias. Um, I was raised in a very multicultural area. I grew up in East London. My parents are immigrants. Um, and I didn't think I had any unconscious bias. I've always worked in the media. And my job was about connecting with people from different backgrounds and finding you know, uh, common ground somehow, uh, even with different and so I was filming in America a few years ago, and a young uh, man appeared on set who had um, tattoos, and I immediately noticed him for all the wrong reasons, and I made up all of these assumptions in my head about who I thought he was, and I was intimidated by him, and he could sense my discomfort, so he was going out of his way to seem non-threatening and and you know not menacing in any way, shape, or form. And I just thought, my God, what a heavy burden for him to carry. Because if even I'm feeling, even if, if even I was feeling that way around him, what hope did he have? Um, and so I'm pleased to say I pushed through that discomfort and went to have a conversation with him. And it was a real light bulb moment for me. It was a life-changing conversation. And think of how many magical moments we all miss out on because we see somebody who we perceive as different to ourselves and we don't push through that discomfort. Yeah, and, and therefore, actually talk to them. Exactly. Um, and so that made me want to create a conversation around it. And And I thought perhaps the best way to do that is a book because you're with somebody in you know their own personal time it's an exchange that is very intimate um you know you read often in solitude so you can think more so i just thought actually a book was the best way to do it
0: yeah mm. and it's a very impressive book it's very um Deeply researched. Oh, thank you. It's it's, it's easy, a easy to read, read yeah, as well. yeah. But it's tackling some some quite you know heavy concepts, yeah. and also can I just say that it has blurbs on it from Kofi Annan, <laughs> Desmond Tutu. <laughs> like these are not lightweight fans of yours. Um, so your parents are Ghanaian Yes, you were brought up in a very diverse. Part of London yep. as you researched this topic were you shocked by anything you learned I mean did you feel that in some ways your upbringing had sort of uh, shielded, shielded you from what it's like in other parts of the country other parts of the world?
1: Um, I wasn't shocked but I think it always um, impacts you more when you actually see written in number form the stuff that you know to be true anecdotally. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? In that you, you know this stuff exists, clearly because of the unequal world we live in. But when you actually see it in front of you, in black and white, as statistics, it hits home even more so. And and I think, you know, what I wanted the book to be was hopeful, in that it's mm-hmm. hopeful and it's very um, prescriptive and very solutions-driven, but at the same time it's honest and we can't pretend this stuff doesn't exist we have to look at it honestly and we have to peel away the plaster and deal with the wounds in order to move forward
0: yeah um, but yeah
1: definitely i'm um, I, I i wasn't i wasn't shocked i think i it was just It was just hard-hitting to kind of see it in front of me like that. It's very stark. Very stark, exactly. You
0: have some sections which... I'm just going to do some unprofessional flicking through the book in the background. (laughs) But um, you have some sections in the book where you've looked at some of the numbers. Mm. Um, And that, I think, is where it really hits home. Like just pulling one out at random, for example. So in the UK... 11% 11% of black men are unemployed compared to 7% of white working class men. Yeah. Or for example... And
1: imagine that's all classes of black men.
0: Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. 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 Or in terms of incarceration in the UK, 4% of the UK population is Muslim, but in prison, 15% of the population yeah. is Muslim. I mean, that is... And it's
1: higher in London. I think it's 25% shocking. in yeah. London. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Shocking shocking and in america those stats are even way worse yeah so you know these this is the reality of the kind of world we're living in and 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 the sort of inequality that we see in society at the moment but we can all do something to improve it we all can do our little bit to help move the needle in the right direction yeah reach Mm. out Yeah. yeah
0: yeah um i thought it was really interesting that you look at In your first section, Mm. you look at how men are discriminated against. Mm. And I think, you know, probably the go-to for people like you and me would be to look at how women are discriminated against, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yes. So, Which is you also cover. But why did you decide to start with men? Yeah.
1: And that's that's a wonderful question. Because (laughs) I think
0: often, because we have a tiny, tiny,
1: tiny section of society uh, that is privileged and, 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 you know, that's white elite men – we assume that that's the same lived experience for all men, and it's not. That's not even the same lived experience for all white men. Yeah, And I think it's really important to make that distinction because far too often, because of the uh, gender debate, and, you know, I'm like you, I'm a proud feminist and totally think we must uh, be looking at policies that empower women. But the problem with that is we completely ignore what's unfair in terms of men. And it's not seen as, you know, sort of PC to be worried about men. But the problem with not dealing with the issues around disenfranchised men is that men deal with rejection very differently to women. So with women, we tend to hurt ourselves, which is why you have such high rates of eating disorders or self-harming and so Mm on. Whereas men tend to hurt the outside world, which is why a man who feels bad about himself is more likely to harm the people around him and to harm... Uh, the community that he's in and so that's why we have to tackle these issues head on yeah yeah we have to really listen we have to and we have to realize that they are vulnerable too, believe it yeah. or not but they are
0: yeah yeah um okay well let's start with your advice which is okay. brilliant <laughs> your first piece of advice is nothing lasts forever yes. elaborate on that for me yes
1: and, and that's not a piece of advice that's particularly being given to me that's a, a piece of advice you know i'm in my 40s now and you know I've lived a bit so (laughs) you kind of experience stuff in life and so I think that's one of the things that I've just learned that nothing lasts forever good or bad so if you're going through a good time make the most of it and enjoy it and, and, and really look at Your glass is half full as opposed to half empty. Um, And if you're going through a bad time, also know that that's not going to last forever either and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think too often, in either case, we assume it's going to be forever and it's not. And then we get a shock, don't we, Um, when something is good and all of a sudden... That's taken away. We're shocked. We we thought that the good times would happen forever. And then often when we're in a bad situation, we think that that's it. That yeah. is forever. And I think we just have to have that perspective that, you know, everything is ephemeral. Yeah.
0: Mm. Is there something in particular you're thinking of that taught you that?
1: Um, life. I've, I've so many things, to be honest with you. It's it, There's too many to go into. But, yeah, you know, I've had some really terrible times and I've had some great times. And, and. Either side I'm sort of grateful for. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. You've been in the public eye for a long time now. Yeah, I'm old. I was, Proudly. <laughs> you look exactly <laughs> the same as you did when you were first on TV. But um, I was reading that you got your MBE in mm. 2007. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, I was very young. I was young then. You were that's one of it. the youngest people ever to get an MBE, yeah, I think.
1: Yeah, at the time, yeah.
0: I mean, that's incredible. That's kind of cool, yeah. yeah. My parents are very proud. I, I would, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, your second piece of advice... Discrimination isn't personal. Yes. Yeah.
1: So in Diversify, obviously, I look at um, inequality and I look at prejudice and I break it down group by group. Um, But I think what's really important to remind people of, particularly when you're on the receiving end um, of any kind of exclusion, is that it's not personal. You know, this stuff is systemic. This stuff is ingrained in terms of the sort of fabric of society. And therefore, when you're on the receiving end, if you're able to somehow disconnect the idea that it's about you, disconnect from the idea that it's about you, the sting isn't as harsh. It still hurts. I mean, it always hurts. You know, I've I've experienced it over the years, many times, particularly in my career. But I do think that when you're able to look at it objectively, it doesn't impact you as much. And And that's what I would say to anybody. So whether that's a woman in the workplace who is experiencing misogyny, whether that is a black person that's experiencing racism or a disabled person who's been spoken down to whatever it is it it, it isn't personal this is about society and therefore what we have to do collectively is change how the sort of the, 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 the collective thinks, but obviously, as individuals, we have our part to play in that too. Yeah, but I think if you can sort of detach yourself from it, it's definitely easier to deal with.
0: It's very hard though, in the moment, isn't it? Oh, very. Be, I mean, do you remember as a younger person hitting discrimination and, and finding it difficult not to take of it personally? Of course, of
1: course. And uh, like I said, this has come with age, and also it's funny, I, I, uh, somebody was asking me to. Uh, distinguish between misogyny and racism, because the wonderful thing with uh, being uh, black and female is you understand both. And is I that a think, wonderful... I <laughs> do, because I think it gives you perspective. It gives you a real deep perspective in that, I and also particularly for myself, when you do a job like mine, where you also then get special treatment. So I also understand what privilege feels like, and yeah. I think that that gives you a different lens. You're able to look at it... In a completely different way, and I and I always use a fashion analogy. I would say that gender is like wearing a constrictive jacket, a jacket that has not been constructed properly for you, yeah, and, and so therefore it's rigid and you can't move the way you would freely with a jacket that you were allowed to create yourself. Um, and I would say that uh, racism is like wearing a colour that you really like, you think is great, but the whole of society sees that as out of season and, the, right. and therefore reacts in such a hostile way to you because of it. But You're like, hey, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And so I think they're very different. And And actually, I know when I'm up against which so I really can distinguish between the two the energy is very different and it's hard to articulate that but it is very different and I would say racism is far worse so whenever anybody asks oh you know um, it's not the same trust me as someone who gets both I'll tell you which one is way worse racism is far worse yeah
0: yeah I mean I'm reading this book and um, there's a you know you have a list in there of all the kind of different main ways that you might experience discrimination Mm. and it's a real Reminder to me mm. of what a privileged position I'm in I'm because glad I you am were able to see it. White, yes. middle class, yes. educated. Yes. You know, yes, yes. I'm a woman, but yes. I'm doing all right. I'm in a pretty female-friendly Industry, <laughs>
1: exactly. You're not in finance. No. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, do you do you have a sense of who's been reading this book and whether it's reaching the people who need? Yes, to it's read been about wonderful.
1: This? You know, it's been it's been great because um, I've been going up and down the country having these conversations, and what I've been so impressed by is the mix of the audience and how many men, how many white men actually, are uh, in the audience wanting to know what they can do better. Yeah, which I think is fantastic. That's so yeah, nice to hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and being open to being told the truth as well. Um, so I think that's brilliant. And then also I think the next stage is is so the next sort of. Iteration of this book is going to be much more practical. I mean, like I said, this is very prescriptive. But I think people want even more sort of practical, tangible tools. Um, and that I definitely want to do. Because what I've been moved by is how many people actually want to act yeah. differently. and
0: just want to yeah. know how. Yeah, and want to know how. Yeah. yeah.
1: And want to know what's what questions are safe to ask. That's the other thing. We have to give everybody the opportunity to make mistakes and say things that are slightly not a well, somewhat offensive but you know we have to allow people to make mistakes in order to move
0: on push through that and yeah, educate people yes, Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay so your third piece of advice is from Maya Angelou yes always full of amazing advice always
1: yeah always got to quote Maya
0: Angelou uh, you? <laughs> so which one have you gone for
1: um people will not remember what you said people will remember how you made them feel mm-hmm. um and I think that's so important I think often we only think about how we feel. um, But actually, if you're able to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and that's in anything in life, um, I think we would act very differently. Because often, if you look at the people that we're harshest to, it's our closest, it's our nearest and dearest. You know, the way we speak to our parents, the way we speak to our loved ones, the way we speak, often actually, we're we're probably half decent to our friends. But the way we speak to our spouses and and those that we're in relationship with, is pretty harsh a lot of the time. And I think if we're able to think about that other person's experience in terms of how they will feel by that treatment, we would behave differently.
0: Yeah, Mm. I think it also ties in with what you just said about allowing people to make mistakes and use the politically incorrect word because yes. they've got it a bit wrong. Yes. I think often if somebody's intentions are good and they're trying, that yeah. goes quite a long goes way, a long doesn't way. it?
1: But also if they're making a mistake, we also have to love them enough to tell them the truth. Yeah, call yeah. them out on it. Yeah, completely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um See, your fourth piece of advice is from your hairdresser. It's a bit of a swerve from the... Yes, yeah. it's important advice. It's very important.
1: Yeah, hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell me what this is then.
1: The advice is don't cut your own hair when you're taking out your extensions. <laughs> as someone who's done it many times hence why I'm in extensions, (laughs) Uh, I would say probably actually it's best not to take out your own extensions, actually. Get someone else to
0: do it. (laughs) Have you had any real disasters? Oh,
1: loads. In fact, the other day. So I had like, um, I have got extensions on now, but I had some um, pieces at the front of my hair and I couldn't be bothered to wait for my hairdresser to come. So I was cutting it out and then, oh gosh it's my hair <laughs> oh no oh
0: gosh
1: uh, so yeah I do that all the time I'm trying to do it less because they're like a uh, uh, crisis trip to the hairdresser <laughs> to fix it the next day yeah and she sort of braided it in and, and, and hid it well
0: so, yeah. so just leave it alone waiting basically. for it to grow out now yeah <laughs> um, bringing us back to the book your fifth piece of advice is check your circle yeah what do you mean by this I think
1: this one really important um in terms of out of the people that you choose to interact with so not your work colleagues you know not people that you sort of are forced to interact with but actually those that you're choosing how diverse is that group and if your immediate circle your friendship circle looks like you sounds like you, thinks like you, chances are you'll have a linear outlook even if you don't want to. Um, And so I think it's really important to diversify uh, your friendship circle and have Mm -hmm. as many diverse people in your life as possible. Because also then it allows for us to see the humanity in each other. And therefore when you're in a working environment and somebody comes into the workplace who's completely different, you're not taken aback straight away because you have a frame of reference Mm. for that person. You understand the nuance of that person's lived experience and you're not sort of judging that person based on a set of assumptions that society has imposed on them that has nothing to do with who they are. So I think that's why
0: it's really important. So how do you go about making your circle more diverse?
1: I I don't think it's that hard. I think the lucky thing with London is, well,
0: I mean, not just London, because obviously this is
1: national, darling. Um, but often, <laughs> international, yeah, I like International, to think, is global, <laughs> even better. Um, I think even as simple as talking to your neighbours, most of us yeah. don't do that anymore. And you remember when we were kids, we all did. Um, I think if you have a local state school... Um, even if your own children don't go to that school, even if you don't have children, I would join the PTA still and see how you can support that school because chances are the parents are going to be diverse and therefore you're going to have a new friendship group. Um, I would do activities that are outside your comfort zone. Try something new, you know, go to whatever, an Indian cooking class, whatever, something you normally wouldn't do. You're going to meet different people. It's about Um,
0: stepping out of your comfort zone its own a bit, isn't it you yeah. have to you
1: have to and I think be open just just because often what happens is it's like how I described when I met that young guy on set when you meet somebody that's different the wall goes up so the openness that you would um, use for somebody that reminds you of yourself is not how you interact with somebody that seems different there's a wall you're closed and therefore that true connection can't happen so I think it's about being
0: curious and open yeah mm. that's, that really rings true yeah so you, you talk in the book about um, this idea of the six degrees of integration Ooh, you're good girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, explain a little bit about yeah. what that is.
1: Um, the, the six degrees of integration. See what I did there? The world I do. is separate Clever. now.
0: Hey, um, and these are
1: six steps on how you can better connect with the other. So the first is to challenge your ism. that's about unconscious bias we all have them we've been conditioned Mm -hmm. to think that way um and so on the website diversify.org there is an unconscious bias test i partnered with oxford university on it some great questions it's for the public totally private um and you can go on there and you can see where perhaps you're you know gaps are and and where some of your sort of um prejudices uh, prejudices are, really. are completely yep 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 your prejudices are so check your um challenge your ism second is check your circle like we just discussed third hopefully in checking your circle if it's not as diverse as it could be uh, you would create a new connection in creating a new connection you would change your mind the fifth one i think is really important um which is to celebrate difference because often with this stuff, we want to pretend we're all the same and we're not. And we're uncomfortable with difference. But often difference is where the magic happens. So I would say celebrate difference. Um, and then the sixth is to champion the cause. Tell other people and get them doing it as
0: Spread well. the word. Spread the Send word. Send them diversified.org. Yeah. yeah, yes. Buy them your book, maybe. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I love that. So your final piece of good advice is the male brain is different so what do you mean different how because you did can I also just mention that you do say in the book that uh humans are 99.9 percent identical in terms of biological makeup Yes, that's that's not the brain okay so what are we saying about (laughs) men versus women here well
1: (laughs) I would say and you know I'm as you know I'm a complete diversity advocate um I believe in gender fluidity. I, I totally buy all of that, 100%. But I would say when it comes to cis brains, yeah. cis brains are different. Okay, So cis male brains and cis female brains, in fact, cis male brains are different, period, to anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> How so? Well, do you have any cis men in your life? I do, yeah. So you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, that, I do. Yeah, they are completely different. You know, if you look at the way men sometimes just don't get it. You know, you'll be like, why did you do that? And they'll be like, what? What? (laughs) They generally don't get it. And for a woman, for a cis woman, you're like, what? This is so obvious. And then even annoying things like leaving the toilet seat up or, you know, not wanting to get directions or
0: lying lying just for the sake of lying when there's no need to lie what is that all about yeah do you know what i mean yeah yeah but what is it about do you not think it's to do with how they're brought up differently to us or and i do think there's a difference and scientifically there is
1: you know they you know the way the 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 female brain forms is different to the way the male brain forms and that you know that happens in sort of embryonic stages yeah so yeah there's a difference and you know, if we try and understand them, so yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. In fact, you know, I'm like on a mission to understand them. Maybe that could they, be your next book. Maybe, you know, they need our understanding. <laughs> 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 well, we have to in order to get balance. And it, and also, I think, in, in all seriousness, Hattie, you know, if we expect men to really get it where gender equality is concerned and we ex- want them to be willing participants then we have to work with them. And yeah. we have to understand that up until now, perhaps the way they have been socialized and what they have been taught up until now has not been the right thing. And if we're wanting them to learn something new, we've got to go on that journey with them. Mm-hmm. We can't expect them to just change because we've changed and we've done nothing to help them with that process.
0: Mm. I mean, it's really the same as the message throughout your book, isn't yeah. it? It's reach out, listen, yeah. understand other people. Yes. And then understand. communicate better. Yeah, and communicate better. <laughs> yeah, but well, I mean, they could communicate better. Too. <laughs> yeah.
1: How about just communicate? <laughs> yeah. They could just all. do that. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so the worst piece of advice you've ever received? Talk me through this. Yes,
1: which is back to what we've just been discussing. I think, and I, and and it's like what we, I was saying before we started recording. I don't think my parents ever actually said it outright to me, mm-hmm. but I think. I know I was raised this way and most of the people I know were also raised the same way regardless of their background. And I know a lot of people from very diverse backgrounds across the board, you know, some of the wealthiest people and some of the poorest people. And it seems to be a a, a reoccurring theme just through people, mm. which is we are so fearful of the truth. And often we think it's better to either not say anything or tell a white lie So as to not hurt somebody's feelings, rather than just tell the truth. I think I truly believe the truth will set you free.
0: Are you somebody who, if somebody's annoyed you or upset you, you will just call them up and say, look, I have to tell you, you've you've
1: pissed me off. I've gotten better. No, I would say, you know, on the surface, I might present that way. But no, I'm somebody who for many years would just, you know, let things fester right you know and you would be resentful and not say that you're annoyed by x and as i've gotten older i've definitely worked hard at being much more forthcoming yeah and i feel better you feel better don't you when you've been on this yeah yeah i do
0: think that yeah what you learn through relationships as you grow up as well is that when you don't tell someone Yeah, they don't. Know. it will come out in another way later it will, won't there'll, say, be an yeah, there'll be an
1: argument and it's You'll not what you're arguing out. about yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like what yeah. why are you making such a big deal of that and yeah like, well usually but really it's about something else yeah, yeah.
0: that yeah. maybe you should have just mentioned at the time at the time how about that <laughs>
1: you know yeah totally
0: um well that's all of your advice mm. i have to just ask you if if your readers were going to come away from this book mm with one thing in their heads, Mm -hmm. what would you want it to be?
1: I would say that one thing would be, hopefully they would better understand the other, whatever that other is for them. Because we all have an other. We all have somebody that we are uncomfortable around. And how do we move beyond that?
0: Yeah. Mm. So you're bringing bringing us all together essentially. yeah yeah i think it's much more fun than yeah. we are to be honest <laughs> it is and it's a great book um Aww. thank you so much yay <laughs> thank you thanks so much Jean Sarpong. her book diversify how to challenge inequality and why we should is out in paperback now If you like the Grazia Life Advice podcast, please subscribe, rate it, review it and share it. See you next week for more advice from women worth listening to.